The Seahawks made two more additions to their squad before the weekend, two possible starters on the defense for 2023 in Seattle. Dallas and I break those moves down, plus a mailbag segment and more, all ahead on today on Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Nick Lee, your host for today's episode of Locked On Seahawks. And once again, I'm filling in for Corbin Smith, who is still on the mend from a pretty intense uh, surgery on the old noodle there on the arm. Hopefully he's uh, he's ready to toss 150 innings this year for somebody. Uh, we wish him the best. And, uh, of course, my partner in crime in this uh, interim is Dallas as well. Thank you, Dallas, for joining us. And this episode of Locked On Seahawks is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now for your lead story here on the opening drive of the of Lockdown Seahawks. The Seahawks made two big, I would say big additions to their team uh, since we last spoke. <laughs> just, uh, just a little under 24 hours. In fact, just minutes pretty much after uh, Dallas and I finished recording yesterday, uh, a flurry of, of, of you know, rumors and it streamed out, and, and the, C- the Seahawks ended up signing linebacker Devin Bush, formerly of, of the Steelers, and Julian Love, the defensive back safety uh, from the New York Giants. So two players that uh, most of you, and I think it's safe to say, can be pretty much plug-and-play starters to open 2023 in some capacity. What were your your initial reactions, Dallas, to these two signings? And let, let's actually let's let's break it up and let's start with Devin Bush. And what were what was your reaction initially to to the Devin Bush signing? Devin Bush screams of a Pete Carroll acquisition. Former first round pick, had a was had a trouble in his beginning years in his career, had an injury, I think ACL injury in his second season that sidelined him for a while. And you could tell that he lost some speed. But this is a pick, a former top 10 pick. He has the raw talent. Like going back to his combine, he ran a 4-4-3, had a 6-9-3-3 cone which is even pretty good for cornerback standards. And he displays speed. That's what the Seahawks want in linebackers. Had 81 tackles, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, and two passes defended this past season. But he actually had some trouble staying on the field because he was actually benched later in the year. But again, this is a player with the raw talent, with the coaching the Seahawks are able to give him. And Pete Curl has the ability he's shown that he can do reclamation projects former first round picks and they become productive players in this system so i love the addition of devin bush yeah it seems like pete carroll and and that staff do love their reclamation projects (laughs) um not not, this is not from the 23 uh 2013 draft class like they they did a few years ago where they pretty much had almost the entire first round on the roster um yeah so former top 10 pick and and you know he was drafted before Guys like Brian Burns, Jeffrey Simmons, Josh Jacobs, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Miles Sanders, D.K. Metcalf, Devin White, Max Crosby all came after Devin Bush. So um, in some eyes, yes, it, it's it's fair to, to um, maybe not totally completely label his whole career a bust because he's still pretty young, um, but certainly been not a top 10 linebacker. When you think of, you know, first round linebacker these days, you think of you know, Roquan Smith or, or Micah Parsons. 
Um, so he's certainly, uh, he's, it's not like he's been the world's worst linebacker, 151 tackles over the last two years, two sacks uh, in 2021. He actually had a 1.2% missed tackle rate last year, according to Pro Football Reference, which was you know pretty respectable. It just hasn't been, you know, top 10 pick good. And, uh, and you know, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, the, the, he hasn't had, the, you know, the pro football focus grades as well. Um, it, it, the name certainly brings some intrigue with him being a top 10 pick and, you know, his, his uh, father played in the NFL, but um, you, you know, who had a better pro football focus grade over the last two years at linebacker, Cody Barton. So um, that might be cause for pause there for, for Seahawks fans. Of course, you know, he, he, you know, it could be a classic change of scenery situation where he, he gets into this right spot. He's going to be the guy pretty much until Jordan Brooks comes back in whatever capacity they want to use him. And perhaps this is a way to rejuvenate his career, which has happened. It's, it's not impossible. And I do see this kind of as a one-year, uh, you know, deal filler um, until Jordan Brooks comes back. I'm not sure this means, you know, he's the, he's the tandem future with, with Jordan Brooks there. I'm not sure that they, that we should view him as, as the, uh, the Batman and Robin with Jordan Brooks for the next two, three, four years. Um, I do think this is a bit of an experiment, a bit of a prove it deal. Um, you know, it, it's it's certainly they're going to give him the opportunity with with the injury to Brooks for sure. And I also want to talk about I think the one that, that causes uh, stirs a bit more conversation right now, and that's Julian Love, the defensive back from the New York Giants. Who I, I am a huge fan of him. I was a fan of him um, with the Giants and watched a lot of him too. My my dad's a big Eagles fan, so we we do we hate watch the Giants a lot together. <laughs> But it's uh, super versatile. I, I was looking at his snap you know, allotment last year on Pro Football Focus, and he had 271 snaps in the box, almost 500 snaps at free safety, over 150 snaps at slot corner. So he had, he had at least 150 snaps at three different spots along in the defensive secondary. So um, really versatile guy. What were your initial thoughts on, on the Julian Love signing? This screams to me. I know he's a safety, but he screams to me nickel. When looking at their combine measurements, even going back with Seattle's history with nickel cornerbacks, Justin Coleman's a name that Seattle fans all remember. Julian Love nearly has almost identical measurements, three cone time, speed as Justin Coleman. In fact, you move Julian Love into cornerbacks when you're doing those thresholds and Julian loves three cone time was actually 92nd percentile for cornerbacks, which is really elite. That change of direction is something that Seattle really looks for in their nickel back corners. And as we saw last year, Bryant, he played admirably at a new position, but there was times of struggle. And especially when asked to play in man coverage, Seattle, they really, he weren't able to do that too often. Julian love came is coming from the wink Martindale scheme. And that is basically to everyone that doesn't know, cover zero. Wayne Martindale is wild. It's cover zero, man coverage. Safeties, they're playing over the top sometimes, but most of the time they're manning up slot receivers. They're manning up tight ends. And that's what the nickel cornerback is going to do in the Skihawks scheme. So I feel like this is also with the Adams injury. It's also insurance. If you need to move him to safety, he's good. He's been there. He's been playing there for a while and you have just insurance and versatility, which is what Pete Carroll loves in his position players. I really feel like this has been the, the name of the game this offseason is versatility, whether that be financial versatility with a, with a deal like Geno Smith's 
or Evan Brown, you know, safety or excuse me, at center. He's, he's not playing safety anytime soon. <laughs> um, at center, you know, you draft a center, maybe slide him over to guard. Um, and, you know, with some of the defensive line moves they made. And here, you bring up a great point. I think there's two, you know, kind of environments of, of discussion here. One, yes, is he the nickel corner? And does, it, does that free up Kobe Bryant to pursue um, the starting outside corner spot opposite Tariq Woolen? Or um, does that leave Jamal Adams or one of, one of Ryan Neal or Jamal Adams out of the equation um, as a true safety? So um, that neither or both of those things could be true. Um, I think it's a, I think the, there's a possibility that he is a hedge for a, a potential Jamal Adams departure, or, you know, he's coming along slower than the Seahawks would like, or they want to move on from him and find, and finally found, you know, a viable replacement for when they do move on from him. Although Ryan Neal has, has filled in admirably um, with a, a side Quandre Diggs as a safety duo. Um, really? So you got four really quality safeties when they're all healthy now. Um, if you view Julian Love as a, as a safety instead of a slot corner. So I think that's a really big question. Is he going to play slot corner or is he viewed as a safety? And if so, if he is viewed as a safety, where does that leave one of Ryan Neal or uh, Jamal Adams? I, mean, I think Quandre Diggs is probably pretty safe <laughs> at this point. Um, but, you know, with Jamal Adams' injury history, um, and, and is he a significant upgrade over Ryan Neal? Ryan Neal's played very well. Um, Julian Love is coming off of his best year as far as coverage grade at pro, for, for a pro football focus this year. So I think it's a very interesting situation, but at the end of the day, it's depth, it's veteran, you know, proven a, a guy. I think he's um, him and Draymond Jones, I think are the top two defensive signings they've made this year. And I, I think that that's going to be, uh, that's going to go a long way to increase the, the depth and quality overall of this defense. When we come back, Dallas and I are going to address some mailbag questions from you, the listeners on Twitter and don't go anywhere. This is locked on Seahawks. This episode is brought to you, brought your way by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you gotta try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but don't want to compromise taste, then man, you've got to try this thing for yourself. You gotta try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's, Re New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters. They are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably, unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and a coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 134, 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box, four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen every day. Let's talk. Uh, let's let's answer some mailbag questions from you, the listeners here. Dallas and I are going to address a few questions here, and you know, there's lots of buzz right now with what the, some of the moves the Seahawks are making and some potential other ones that have not yet happened um, that that could be happening in the future here. So let's start here um, on Twitter. MJL Pop on Twitter with the draft upcoming. I've seen lots of comments about trading down to get extra picks to help fill the roster. 
is the best. Personally, one of the issues of the last four or five years, I feel, is that there's been a lack of blue chip players on the team, and the number five pick offers that. So basically, MJL Pop is wondering what what might be the uh, the draft strategy now that they have an opportunity to get a top five blue chip player, you know, versus their their uh, mentality of trading back in years past. What's your stance on that, Dallas? That does offer the opportunity with the fifth pick or fifth pick, excuse me, to have that blue chip player. But this draft is not the same as normal other drafts. That fifth pick, Seattle, you typically want that blue chip to be edge. You want that pass rusher. That's what you're wanting right now. Yet, Will Anderson, it's looking like he's probably going to be off the board and talked about the Jalen Carter concerns. So is there truly that blue chip player that is worth taking at number five in this draft? You have to look at this in on a year-to-year basis. It's not always going to be the same. Is that fifth pick this year going to be worth it? Or is this a draft with more depth where you want to go and grab maybe two day two picks or three, maybe two day two picks and a late first, and then you're able to have more depth? And this might be the draft, I think, where maybe having two picks before pick 70 might be more valuable than just the one pick at the top. Yeah, you bring up a good point about it being, you know, year by year, case by case kind of thing that the draft is different every year in some cases. Um, but the, the MGL pop does bring up a good point over the last decade, uh, or at least, you know, most of that decade, the Seahawks have been content with sacrificing a little quality for quantity. And based on comments from John Schneider, that era might be over. They might be, they might be kind of shifting their, their uh, mentality a little bit with the draft. Now it's in their DNA. To trade back, I mean that's I, I think John Schneider would be you know itching his trigger finger to do that, especially at five. Um, just kind of how it depends on how the draft shakes out. If if teams continue to elbow each other towards the top uh, for these quarterbacks, if you know the Anthony Richardson um, saga and and Will Levis, obviously C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. I mean, if all of those guys go in the top five, the Seahawks are sitting really pretty at five to perhaps trade back and still get a Will Anderson or you know wh- whoever you you know, insert defensive player you hope they draft or non-quarterback I should say um it, it really is uh, just it depends on the draft and um but you go from you trade back from five to you know eight nine ten who's to say that isn't a blue chip player I mean that's still a top 10 pick so it's not like they're trading back from we, we've seen that where they trade back from 17 to 24 you know that, that's or something like that it, it, it's not it's not as it, it, sexy to, to to do that and um but when you go from five to eight, nine, that, that, that difference, you know, there, there is a huge separation in talent, I think from top five, top 10 to, you know, 17 to 20 range. So it really is case by case. Um, if the opportunity arises where the quarterbacks go quick and the Seahawks are sitting there with three, four, five guys on their board that they really, really like at five, maybe they trade back and still get one of those guys. And I think they're in a real, real good spot there. So let's go to another question as well. Uh, Jake Pino on Twitter with the recent free agency moves, I know this isn't the precedent during the Pete and John era. Do you think Seattle should consider a cornerback in round one corner CB? Maybe trade down for a, from five to seven, eight, or maybe 11. My top two, he says, would be Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon. So what would be your your take, Dallas, on the possibility of taking a cornerback early? Well, we were supposed to have – I wanted to say this for a little later, but I would not be surprised if – like you said, they trade back from five to around seven, eight. If Christian Gonzalez is on the board and the Seahawks really like him, I would be hard pressed not to imagine that 
they'd be itching to do that. You have an ability to have a 6-1 corner with extremely fluid hips, and he hits every threshold that the Seahawks look for in an outside cornerback, every single threshold that they look for. What are you talking about? Arm length, height, weight, three-cone, 40-yard dash, everything. He's everything that they look for in the outside cornerback. And you have the chance to pair him up with the young and up-and-coming Tariq Woolen. That's a, that could be a dynamic duel for maybe the next five to ten years. The Seahawks might be able to get their new version of the Legion of Boom. Yeah, it might be the Legion of Zoom with how, with how some of these corners, you know, Tariq Mullins going, uh, how fast he is. And uh, do they consider a cornerback? I, th- I think they might consider it. You know, there, there are some really good ones you mentioned. Uh, and also, you know, Jake as well, Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon. Very, very good corners. Another one to watch out for, I might, you know, if they trade back to, in, you know, the 11, 12, you know, teen range would be a Joey Porter Jr., I think would be another one from Penn State. I really like uh, mid to late first round. Do I think they do it? If I were a betting man, no. Um, I, I don't think so if I were to put money down on it. But again, it sounds like, you know, John Schneider might be kind of hinting that this might be a new age um, in, in the Seahawks draft mentality. And that might include, you know, uh, uh, taking a cornerback and you, you loop him in with whoever that is in with uh, Tariq Wollen, maybe two Pro Bowl level corners. And that solves a lot of issues when you have two Pro Bowl level cornerbacks in your, in your secondary and some fine safeties, I will say as well. That can so that can cover a, a lot of other holes elsewhere. So um, I don't I wouldn't rule it out, but I wouldn't bet money on that if you're if you're a betting person. Toy Darren at Twitter says with the signing of love, does that mean that uh, does that mean let's just re- rip the bandaid off? Do they release Jamal Adams because they signed Julian Love? Absolutely not. Julian Love, in terms of skill set, actually seems a closer skill set comparison wise to Quandre more than Adams. Like, I don't think you want Julian Love purely to do what Adams does when he's, especially when Adams is asked sometimes to drop into Will linebacker and purely in the box. Julian Love has experience in the box, but just with pure size, that's not really his skill set. Julian Love is a great cover, cover safety, and he's going to be good in the deep and or in the nickel. You don't really want him too much around the line of scrimmage, but I do not think this has anything to do with Jamal Adams being released. It's more so with Jamal Adams' health. It's a tough injury. That's a very rough recovery for that injury, the torn quad. That's a very tough injury. So it could be a while till Adams is able to come back. So Love provides quality insurance for that. I think the key word there is insurance. I'm not, I'm not sure one means the other is happening. You know, I say all the time, I only Sith deal in absolutes. And I'm not saying it's absolutely a guarantee that Jamal Adams is gone because they just signed Julian Love. And, and you brought up the point of perhaps Julian Love and those safeties can coexist if he is the, the slot corner. So um, that, there is, that does bring up an interesting point with the injury concerns to Jamal Adams. And Julian Love aside, I think that might have been a conversation anyway, um, just with the health issues he's had. Cutting Jamal Adams with a post-June 1st designation does save about $8.4 million on the cap for 2023 and reduces the cap hit from $23.9 million if he did it before June 1st to $9.7 million after June 1st. So there's some, a, a dramatic reduction in the dead cap hit and freeing up some cap money. So if you want to have that conversation, I think it's it's at least worth having. I'm not, I'm not going to say there's no way possible that they've departed from Jamal Adams. And I'm not going to say it was strictly because they signed Julian Love, but um, I think that is a real conversation as the season, as the off season grows um, along, you know, the draft and, you know, mini camps. And if 
if you know Jamal Adams' situation isn't you know concrete or is it isn't significantly better by the time we hit mini camps and, and start to get into the summer months, I th- that could be an, an, a conversation to have. It, it is a very intriguing idea because um, I, I think it would be. Uh, I'm not sure really you know, releasing Ryan Neal or something like that would would be would make a ton of sense now, but. Um, the, the Jamal Adams situation is, is, is a very interesting one there. So uh, Anthony Boss on Twitter says, if Jalen Carter falls all the way to 20, are you willing to take a chance on him, Dallas? Well, going off of what the Seahawks have talked about, with what they value, if they're going off of pure words and what they say, no. There, I don't think there's a way. But with that film and that talent, I don't think John Schneider, that's going to be as easy as people think. With Jalen Carter, that's arguably when he's on the field, top player in the draft. Really bad couple weeks and really bad. We don't need to rip him anymore, but it's just at 20, the potential value, if you are able to maximize his output, is insane at that pick. So personally, I would say there's a chance. But going off of what John Snyder and Pete Carroll said, I would say no. Yeah, I guess for me, the question is, are you or am I willing to take him if I was the GM? I would say yes, because um, this is the you know, this is how they make the money. You know, is he the next Malik McDowell or is he the next Fletcher Cox? You know, <laughs> there's you know, that's you'd hate to just completely take him off your board. He turns it around, and he's you know a perennial Pro Bowl interior defensive tackle. I mean, you, you don't want to pass that up. So, especially, I think it depends a little bit what happens before twenty too. If the Seahawks maybe get one, maybe two um, blue chip kind of players, then maybe you think you can be more at liberty to take a chance. Um, I don't see Jalen Carter falling a ton unless you know it. it he continues to make poor decision after poor decision. Someone is going to draft Jalen Carter. I am going to bet money on that. Um, but you know, that just depends on where and when. Um, but if I were at 20 as, as you know, if I was GM, yeah, I think that especially with their position um, early on in the draft, I think I would. Um, and then lastly, the question, the one that everyone, I, I just put you know on Twitter, you know, everyone's been saying this. I just put literally everyone. What does the signing of Devin Bush mean for the Bobby Wagner situation? Is, does this signing, in your opinion, Dallas, kind of maybe put that fire out or release, at least reduce the flame of the Bobby Wagner back to Seattle saga? I think it reduced the flame. What it did was, as the Julian Love signing did, it provided an insurance policy. If you aren't able to get Wagner at the price that John Schneider is willing to go to, then you have a linebacker there and you can address the other linebacker spot in the draft. Wagner though, the addition of Wagner is still on the possibility because if you do draft that linebacker, you can just sit them under Wagner and, or maybe if they beat Bush out for the spot, you can have a competition over there. It provides you just, as we said, and you said earlier, the name of the offseason has to have been versatility. That seems like that's been the biggest thing for the Seahawks, as you said, financial versatility or just on the field versatility. And I feel that that just provides them both of those. Yeah, I think that's, I think yeah, another, yeah, flexibility, versatility. I do think the Bobby Wagner to Seattle train has slowed a little bit. I'm not going to totally put the kibosh on it. Um, it's not totally off the tracks, but it's, it's slowed down a little bit on, on the tracks there. 
Um, I do think I, I kind of viewed Bobby coming in here in here as a guy to steady the ship with Bobby or with uh, Jordan Brooks being out for a while. And even with Devin Bush coming in, uh, that linebacker room still ain't great. <laughs> so um, it, it, pairing, you know, Bobby with Bush with Brooks, that's a lot of B's, first of all. Um, you know, that's not a terrible trio you know, or duo with uh, Bobby and, and Devin Bush until Brooks comes back. And um, it is a one-year deal, so um, get Jordan Brooks fully healthy. Maybe that takes the majority of the season. You have Bobby Wagner and Devin Bush there. I don't know where the money might be at with that. That might be a little too rich for the Seahawks' blood. And But you know, that, that's not a bad combo, I'd say. And, and bringing Bobby Wagner in with a guy like Devin Bush, maybe that races Devin Bush's game. You know, that, that could be another scenario there. So um, I don't totally rule it out. I do think that kind of shrinks the the uh, or like widens the, the margin for error, I guess, as far as, you know, the, the, the terms of the deal. I think the Seahawks can afford now to be a bit more picky with, uh, you know, on their terms on if and when Bobby Wagner comes back. When we return, we're going to talk about some wild cards in the first round uh, for the Seahawks, possible positions and players that we think could might raise some eyebrows that the Seahawks took them, but might still uh, be a draft pick for the Seahawks in the first round. Don't go anywhere. This is Locked on Seahawks. We're past the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I'm a big fan of betting on player props, including FanDuel's player par parlay builder. For example, you can bet on Gordon Hayward to score 20 points at plus 400. Plus, FanDuel let, even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sport, sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks again for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen of the day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes. From free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Dallas, let's talk draft here. So we, we did kind of hint a little bit on, on some positions, perhaps. So we all know by now we've we've talked at nauseum. Oh, hello. Hello. We have the, the one arms wonder himself. Welcome, Corbin. I heard draft uh, NFL draft. And I had to come running. He uh, came running. Well, how are you doing? How, how's it going over there? I'm surviving. Um, I'll be able to talk a little bit here, uh, but, you know, I heard draft and I heard wild cards and I just couldn't resist. So, <laughs> well, let's let's tee it up for you here. So we're going to talk wild cards, and we all know by now the the, the draft needs of the Seahawks. You know, for first round edge, you know, we could see a, you know running or not running back or maybe running back, but offensive <laughs> line, you know, offensive guard, center. You know, we 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 know what the Seahawks need of the draft, and we've seen all the mocks. We've done mocks ourselves, and you know, interior defensive line, edge rusher, linebacker. Um, quarterback, perhaps we'll see. So let's talk wild cards a little bit off the cuff here, um, and I want to pass it to you, Corbin. First off, welcome back. Um, who? Let's talk the first pick now, number five, or you know, if they trade back, what would be a you know somewhat possible 
draft pick at five or, you know, if they trade back a few slots, that might raise some eyebrows in Seahawks Twitter land, perhaps. Um, but you think it might still be a slight possibility as a wild card. I know you guys mentioned cornerbacks earlier, and that might be a possibility, but I'm actually going to say receiver, and this is not at pick number five, but if they trade down, let's say that John Schneider wants to add some additional day two picks or maybe even a future first rounder moving down. I think a player like Jordan Addison, I know he didn't have the most impressive combine workout, but I don't care. I've watched the film. This guy is a perfect slot receiver, and he would be an amazing compliment for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So if you could get him maybe a pick eight, nine, 10 range, I think it would be a really good value pick because I think he is the most complete receiver in this draft, and he does complement the other two star receivers they have. Geno Smith would be smiling back at his place knowing I've got Jordan Addison to throw the football to. So I would be very curious to see how that would play out, but he would be a wild card for me, that receiver position, even though you got two, uh, two superstars. Jordan Addison has superstar potential too. You have those three weapons in the same offense. That is going to keep defensive coordinators up all night trying to prep for the Seahawks offense. And Dallas, what about you with a possible top 10 pick as, as a wild card position or uh, prospects in that position? I'm going to need everyone to stay here with me. I'm going to go back with Andy Dickerson and his history with the Rams and even Shane Waldron. The Rams were known along their offensive line. They obviously they had guards and centers, but a lot of them in college were tackles. They played tackle in college and the cent- and the Rams like to move them along the offensive line because as we know, tackles normally have the best physical skill set in terms of athleticism. So a pick like Peter Skoronsky or maybe even Broderick Jones two bigger body tackles that they're a little bit off opposite ends of the spectrum where Peter Skaronsky is more of a technique based where you, you want him probably to gain weight if he moves into guard. But in terms of technique, he's already there. He got everything that you need and he has valuable in pass protection, great run blocking, but Broderick Jones might be the wild card where right here, you're talking about a elite athleticism, long arms, ex- insanely strong, just needs to be coached up. I could see the swing to maybe put him in there, and that could be a future Pro Bowl guard right there. Yeah, I mean, drafting a guy with a T or OT next to his name at, at, at such a high uh, slot after you, you you think that they have the two uh, tackles of the future. I know you said guard, but um, that would certainly rise eyebrows, definitely. Um, I will go with, uh, with cornerback, I think, a top 10 pick if the Seahawks do um, take a cornerback. I think we've talked about it a little bit with Devin Weatherspoon. Um, I said Joey Porter Jr. I think if you go maybe slightly outside the top 10. Um, now let's let's say that the Seahawks trade back or, or talk 20 now, like in the teens and late 20, um, as far as for a draft slot wild card. I'm going to take kind of a page out of uh, a Dallas's book. Um, he's been saying this for a few weeks now. Um, tight end is, is one that, you know, we, we the Seahawks, I feel like, have a bajillion tight ends, um, but maybe not a guy like Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. Um or uh, a guy I watched personally this year just completely shred BYU to pieces in Las Vegas, Michael Mayer. I mean, like, oh, the the tradition, the uh, the the strategy is just throw it to eighty-seven. I mean, that, that's just going to win, and, and that's pretty much how Notre Dame beat BYU. Was Michael Mayer at tight end? So two guys there at tight end. I don't know uh, where exactly Mayer, Michael Mayer might 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 slot in, but as far as a wild card first round pick, that's kind of you know off the board a little bit as far as need. Um, I don't, I'm not saying tight end is the most dire need. 
But for me, I would say, you know, one of the tight, one of those premier tight ends to give Geno Smith a huge middle of the field option, maybe to pair with Noah Fan, or maybe you move on from Noah Fan, however you feel. But man, that would be quite fun in the middle of the field. What about you, Corbin? What are you feeling for that number 20 pick around there if they trade back with the, you know, teens or late 20s? Well, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit because I thought tight end would be a position that would make some sense. Uh, I'm going to really go out into left field here, and there's going to be some of our listeners that are going to be like, no, 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 don't do this. But Bajan Robinson, look at the running backs that you have on your roster right now. Ken Walker III is dynamic, but you have DJ Dallas, who's a very solid reserve running back, great special teams guy. And then behind that, you really don't have any other notable running backs on your roster. You just lost Rashad Penny and Travis Homer in free agency. We know how much Pete Carroll loves running the football. And this would be a pick that would really drive a lot of fans nuts. But at the same token, could you imagine building a running game with a really good young offensive line? And you have Ken Walker the third and a 220-plus pound Bajan Robinson rotating in. Those two guys, you'd have two monster bell cow caliber backs that could complement one each other, and you could keep both of them fresh. So I'm not advocating for this necessarily, but I know how the Seahawks operate, and I know they need a running back to go with Ken Walker III. So Bijan Robinson, that is my real wild card here at 20, or if you trade down a few spots, add him with Ken Walker III. Oh, boy, that's going to be a really fun run game to watch. Again, and just to reiterate, this is not what we think they should do or will do. It's just, just we're talking wild cards. We're talking eyebrow-raising moves that the Seahawks could make. I'm just specialist in this, too. So Yeah, yeah. And let's see, Dallas, what, what do you think? Well, I'm going to go even more. A guy, I know we just talked. We just They just signed Julian Love. I have Jamal Adams. You have Quandary Diggs. But a guy like Brian Branch, if he falls down into the draft and you get a chance to pick him at 20, even though you have safeties, Brian Branch, I think, is also a primarily another nickelback corner that you could possibly slide in year one, and he'll be perfect for them right away. I know, like I just said, you signed Julian Love. He might be playing nickel corner. He might be playing safety. But to me, that just already what they've been looking for is versatility. And Branch's ability to play safety and nickel corner, again, it just furthers that. I know it's a little risky. You're putting a lot of eggs into one basket at safety. But that town, I can't see them not picking him if he is available. I like it. I'm, I'm going to go one more that might be – that certainly will raise eyebrows and uh, might get some comments here. But let's say if the Seahawks do trade back a few times and you know draft a couple blue chip guys in the first round. And then all of a sudden they have, you know, they trade back from 20 and let's say they're picking 27, 28, 30 in that range. Uh, they do need a quarterback eventually to, to replace Geno Smith. I might go with Hendon Hooker, the quarterback out of Tennessee. I know that, you know, he's got that ACL in, in, injury. Um, he's not one of the, you know, four or five assumed, you know, top quarterbacks in this draft, but I really like his game. He ran that Tennessee offense to perfection before he got hurt. He has a 58 touchdown, five interception ratio um, of the last two seasons. So he's he's, been, he's just running that system perfectly. Is he a system quarterback? I don't know, but he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, and you know some maturity there. I, I I do like the traits there. So that's only if the Seahawks trade back a few times, do get some really great blue chip players in other positions in the first round, and have kind of a bevy of first round picks. Hendon Hooker, watch out, it might sneak up in there, but. Um, either way, thank you, Corbin, for joining us in the last section here. Um, any last thoughts before you sign off for the weekend? 
I'm looking forward to being back in the saddle again on Monday. Um, one day off from not doing a podcast. Um, it was agonizing, to be honest with you. So, And I really enjoyed the uh, podcast that you guys did yesterday. Phenomenal work. Great job filling in today as well. I'm extremely appreciative of the great job that you guys do. And I'm looking forward, looking forward to continuing to work with both of you moving into the 2023 season. I apologize that my speech is not quite on it. Uh, you know, when you have arm surgery, anesthesia, they mess with your throat a little bit. So... <laughs> All good, Corbin. You're a workaholic. You work harder just about anyone I know. So uh, keep keep mending up, rest up, get 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 as much rest as you can this weekend, and, and we'll see you fresh and ready. Hopefully at the start of next week with maybe some more exciting Seahawks news. We'll see. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Neckley51. Sorry, it's March Madness and baseball season, so if you follow me, I apologize in advance. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C Cooper. Corbin at Corbin Smith NFL. Thank you once again for joining us. Enjoy the weekend. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Celebrate safely. Go Hawks.